On the podcast this past week, we had on Dr. Mark Guadagnoli. He talked about a lot of learning and practice myths and misconceptions. Really great conversation. Can't recommend enough going back and listening to that. After we had that chat, though, we went through a round of quick questions so we can get to know him a little bit better. Let's get to it. Let's start with an easy one then. What's your latest and favorite piece of gear that you have gotten? Anything stand out? <laughs> wow. Uh, I thought I would know the answer to the question that you were about to ask, and <laughs> I do not. You know, I <laughs> this is kind of funny, but I, for the first time, actually got a set of golf clubs. This is uh, now not quite a year ago, but I got a set of golf clubs that were actually fitted for me, and it's remarkable the difference that it makes. I've been playing, I had been playing with hand-me-downs and the shafts and the loft and lies were not exactly set for me. And yeah, it's, it's very, very different. So I, I'd say in general, my irons that were actually fitted for me. What'd you get fitted into? What are you playing? Uh, ping irons. Um, I should know, but I don't know the actual types, but they're, yeah, I've played some kind of ping for a long time. So Nice. Any favorite golf courses or favorite golf trip that you've, uh, you've taken? This is an easy one. So favorite golf course in Vegas, Shadow Creek, no questions about it. And, but favorite golf uh, trips, I went with the UNLV golf team. So I think we've talked about this, that I've been working with the golf team now for about 15 years and went with the UNLV golf team in Australia. And we spent a couple weeks with uh, some of the foundation folks who were absolutely great guys and um, playing golf and really getting to know each other, enjoyed it. I mean, it was like this uh, once-in-a-lifetime kind of trip. And the highlight of that for me, from a golf perspective, I, I think there were two. One of them was a, an island off of Tasmania that we played golf, and it was probably the most beautiful golf course I've ever been on. And uh, the second one, the second trip, or the second experience was we got to play in the collegiate, or so the Australian Master of the Amateurs. And we played in the equivalent of a pro-am version of this before the, the big boys played. But so many nice people, so many great, really great, uh, opportunities to interact with people. And, and uh, it was a beautifully run event. Uh, the whole thing was just incredible all the way through. So, so yeah, those golf memories, that was right around New Year's. And uh, I, I just, I think back to that over and over again, what an amazing experience that was. Awesome. You don't happen to remember that, that course off of Tasmania, do you? Yeah, I do actually. Cape Wickham. Cape Wickham. Yep. We'll have to check that one out. So you've worked at the UNLV, UNLV team, obviously, mm -hmm. and you do have your own research and, and whatnot. What has made the, the biggest impact in your work over the past three years? Has there been any changes or anything that you've done that have, that have had the biggest impact on what you do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of the things that we were just talking about around using, rethinking, not how to practice per se, but rethinking the motivation around practice and really engaging people in significantly testing themselves during practice and using all these outside sources like the art of game design and so forth. Because we've known for a while how to optimize practice as far as how to put things together, but what we haven't known 
is how to motivate people to practice the way that they should. And, uh, you know, some, some of it is people may not know the best way to practice, and that gets into the, the myths of golf as, you know, this segment. But some of it is even if you know, you don't do it because it's hard. And ego gets in the way and a whole host of other things. But, but being able to look at it from a game perspective, gamifying practice, I think is the biggest shift to me. And, and I've seen it in the guys on the team, too. Like, they now they do it because they enjoy it. Let's craft a scenario here for you. So, you have a round on, on Saturday, and let's say it's a Monday. You get four hours this week to practice or do whatever you want to prepare yourself for that round on Saturday. Okay. What would you do? For me specifically, so at my level of play? Sure. Yep. Okay. So... And that's important because it's going to be very different depending on what the level of performer is. But so the first thing I would do is set out goals for each day of practice, when I'm going to practice, how much I'm going to practice, and then specifically what I'm going to practice on. And, you know, I think that this is a such a huge benefit when we actually know what we're attempting to accomplish in practice. To me, it's analogous to thinking about you standing on the first tee and just saying, oh, I'm just going to hit the ball, right? You've got very little chance that it's actually going to go where you'd like for it to go because you don't have a clear goal. So setting that goal would be the very first thing I would do. Every practice I have, I will go through a cycle, which is a tempo uh, practice test cycle. So start off working on tempo, which would be you know, uh, nine to 12 balls, so not very long at all. This is after I've stretched and so forth. And then I'll have a specific thing to practice. So for me right now, for example, it would be holding, keeping the angle of the club through, so don't cast and those kinds of things. So that's would be specifically it, and using my body to turn through. So a mechanical idea in the beginning. And I would practice that for you know, probably about 15 to 21 balls. And, you know, as we've talked about before, you, you'll notice all of these are in multiples of three because three balls, step back, think about what I did, what I learned, three more balls and so forth. And then I would test a lot. And that's one ball, one target, go through my routine and hit a particular shot. And I would do that multiple times, say, you know, 12 to 15 tests. And then the next thing I do is go back to the tempo drills again. And then based on all of that, decide if I need to practice more, if I need to test more and so forth. But uh, what I would do if I, let's say I need to practice more, I just recycle that same process. So tempo, practice, test, and then tempo to to finish that off, to kind of the bookends of both of those. And so I would spend the first two days with probably more practice than test. And as I move towards Saturday, I would move towards more and more testing. And probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I would actually start playing the course as part of my test and hitting specific shots like, you know, a par three. There's a par three at Shadow Creek that plays, you know, roughly 200 yards, but it's all carry, I may hit that shot on the driving range, right, in my head. And so, and I think the most important thing to summarize, I've got a goal, 
I've got a system and I do more and more testing as I get closer and closer to the actual event. Perfect. That's a great concept there. Any, uh, maybe one or two books for the golfers and coaches listening, doesn't have to be related to golf necessarily, that you have read that lately that you'd recommend? Oh, that's interesting. One that, that jumped out right away, but I haven't read it for quite some time. I still think that uh, Golf is Not a Game of Perfect is such a great book. I mean, it's got, and I think it, depending on your level of play, sort of comes alive again and again for you. But there are a couple of others that, that I've read recently that I think are uh, some really cool books, but they, they don't really have anything to do with golf per se. So one of them, again, is an older book, and it's called Good to Great. And then there's a follow-up to that as well. The concept of the book is how do we create an investment mentality so that we're willing to take a step back to be able to take a leap forward? And it actually has to do with investing and, and companies and so forth. But in golf, this is so important because we typically manufacture a swing out of what we have out of our own knowledge at the time. And sometimes to get to the next level, we actually have to take a step back. We have to change a grip. We have to change a stance, something like that. And those people who are willing to do that and re- willing to work on it, are the ones who take the leap forward. I mean, you know, a classic case of that is Tiger Woods reworking his swing. But if you look at a lot of people, Ricky Fowler's swing in, in the year that he spent in college is very different than the swing that he has now. And, uh, you know, you've got multiple people like that that sort of dropped off in their game a little bit and you didn't really know why, and then all of a sudden they came back, roaring back, well, it's because they took that step back to be able to move forward. So that one's really good, and one of the ones that I, I actually really like is, it's called When, The Scientific Secrets of Timing, I think, maybe, but it's by Daniel Pink. And the reason I like it for golf is because that book and another book by Dan and Chip Heath called The Power of Moments, they talk about how important timing is. And I don't mean timing like the timing of your swing. I mean timing like how valuable each moment is and when you do things, how critically important that is. Those are just cool books to me. Love it. Love it. And, you know, as someone that's pushing the industry forward, golf and, and other industries you're involved with, as we look at practice, what do you want to see happen? Let's just say golf, for instance. What do you want to see happen in the industry based on what you're trying to do? I would love to see teachers and I'll call them students, but the golfers themselves have a better handle on the science of learning. And my reason for this is because there are very few things that are better than hitting a great golf shot and playing Great, great golf. And there are very th- few things worse than hitting bad golf shots and playing bad golf. And to grow the game, to let people enjoy what they're doing, to give them a real sense of accomplishment, I should say give us a real sense of accomplishment, all of us play. I'd love to be able to put science in it more systematically so that people don't waste time practicing, actually get something out of it so that they enjoy practice more and they actually can translate that practice onto playing the course. 